Welcome to this week's episode of our show, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior. Each week, we will bring you a podcast covering all things data ops with the people that are making data ops what it is today. My guest today is data thought leader, expert solutions architect, and snowflake data superhero, my friend, Frank Bell. Welcome to the show, Frank. Thanks, Kent. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So um, as before we jump in, I'm sure there's there's people on the stream here today that you know may not know that much about your background. So if you wouldn't mind giving us a, a little bit of your background here in data management and Snowflake and all such things. Yeah, so uh, I'll try to keep the sorted history shorter. Um, but I think it parallels a lot of stuff with some of your friends with the Data Vault and other things. Uh, so, you know, I started... Uh, in the early, I got a degree from Stevens Institute of Technology, a bachelor's of uh, engineering in electrical engineering, computer science. And uh, I was doing stuff like Fortran back there and I had an ROTC scholarship. So uh, I, start, I was in the Air Force from 1992 to 1996. Uh, and that's actually where I was introduced to databases for the most part. Yeah. Very early or Oracle. And uh, I kind of laughed because at that time, uh, you know, the Air Force was probably one of the biggest spenders in technology. So we made basically uh, sales reps rich. I still remember the Oracle lady after we bought like, you know, back then 30, 50 million dollars because we were we're basically building. It ended up being called the Global Command and Control System. But it was uh, it was basically the air warfare system that did the air tasking order and everything. So that's really where I started. Uh, with databases was there and and we built a lot of that command and control system off of oracle and back in the day that was uh sunspark 2 sunspark 10 20s and yeah. i was on the, uh it dated me but i did a lot of work with uh you know moving things to ada and also uh i was on bill joy's original like java user usenet list you know back in the day so yeah. fast forward to that uh i that's where I really started to really enjoy databases and data. And um, then after that, I, I left the Air Force and worked with a startup called City Search, which ended up being one of the first two startups in LA. Uh, that was on the internet. I just wanted to get an internet at that time. And we did a ton of database work there with the old players too, Informix, Sybase, SQL Server. Uh, and that's kind of where I started to get again, more with that. And I worked at Universal Studios for a while, but always within data. And then I helped with another consulting firm. And then we started our consulting firm. And the thing that we differentiated with the firm was, and I think this, after listening to Randy, uh, your guest last week, it resonated with me because when I had seen it in the Air Force, we'd built all these systems and then we'd worked for Universal Studios and MCA Records, is there was a lack of uh, work together with the business side and the technology side. So when we founded that company, we the tagline was where business meets technology. And, then, and that's still the premises that we have today as we've launched other companies is how can we intersect that and especially data uh, with, with that. So we ran that company for about 20 years. Uh, towards the end, we jumped on a snowflake and we were very, we just got it. 
like so in 2018 when we we just we were probably like you like we got there and i know you're friends with uh todd Bouchain. so you know we yeah. got there and it was like you know less than 400 people and i still remember the first call i had with them i go i, I said to the the sdr i said if snowflake does all this then why isn't everybody using it so which I, it was just so differentiated and then we became one of the fastest growing partners uh 2018 2019 we sold the business and the business was eventually acquired by accenture uh so that's really kind of the past and during the last few years i've done a lot of thought leadership uh, around i published a blog on the future of data collaboration i was one of the earliest uh people to kind of see the network effects of the data marketplace and we helped persona we actually helped do the R&D and build the first data clean room with our client VideoAmp. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, yeah. And you gave a presentation there uh, at the LA Snowflake users group that we Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that I remember, that I remember. Yeah, that so, was at, uh, at Hulu, right? At the Hulu no, headquarters. Well, we had one there too, but we had one at VideoAmp is where- Oh, that's right, uh, yeah. I, that, was I a, think, that was a busy week. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually it was Justin Langseth, I think, who gave the presentation there. Uh, but yeah, so I think the thing with Snowflake and data ops that we've been lucky enough to do is we've we've we're always looking for how things can be automated more, how things can have higher quality. Uh, and I think that's when I read through the true data ops seven pillars, that's really a lot of what I see. So it it really aligned with our philosophies of data, AI, and automation. And um, like I said, we we were early on Snowflake. In 2018, why we grew so fast is because we pretty much just focused on Snowflake because we thought we've been building data warehouses uh, you know, for Ticketmaster and AG and many others on Oracle and then Teradata and then some Natiza. But Snowflake was just so differentiated. That's why we... We, we, we moved to just really focus on that became, you know, one of the fastest growing partners before we sold it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's quite a history. You, you, you saw, you saw what was happening and you've kind of, kind of rolled with it. Like, like I did in my career into the, the new things and into the data and databases and then went, looked at Snowflake as like, okay, this is kind of a no brainer, right? I, I'm with you. Of course, that was your question is, why isn't everyone using it? Well, that was part of my job, right? Was being the evangelist and making sure people knew about it. And you can't use it if you don't know about it. So that was kind of what we were all doing back then. So uh, what are you seeing today in, in the data sphere? What do you, what do you think in that's, uh, that's hot? Uh, anything out there that you think is hype that we should just kind of maybe ignore? <laughs> that's a really good question uh well there's definitely a lot of hype and a lot of what our work at uh it strategist is about is just trying to you know sort between the hype and the real things uh i gotta be careful what i say because it'll get some people uh distressed potentially but uh i think from a positive trend in the stuff that i'm seeing is uh I still see a lot of stuff. Snowflake's making a lot of great moves, like the Streamlit acquisition. I really see a huge move to uh, data products or data apps. Um, it was kind of a bummer that 
you know, that native apps got pushed out further, but I'm sure it's going to come out really good. And, and since that's going to happen, I think, I think we're going to see a wave of consolidation around a lot more data apps, a lot more centralized data. I mean, there's a whole movement now, but again, it's suffering from the same thing that just a lot of people don't realize that we actually have data sharing with no movement on Snowflake and the data. Hard to imagine. They still don't get that. Yeah. And to be fair, it's, it's because it's so ingrained. I mean, you know, we, we were a huge provider to uh, our consultant to Ticketmaster and AG. And, and I, it's funny because I met one of the guys, I think it was in Orlando magic at one of the Snowflake events. And he's like, yeah, I don't know why we're not doing data sharing with Ticketmaster yet. Uh, because like we built those ETLs and ran them for 10, 15 years. And, you know, there's like undoubtedly not just them, but all these ETL pipelines that you break, even if you build them really well, sometimes the source systems had issues or something. And, you know, like it's like you can't build for every single uh, issue that can happen. And so if you move to data sharing, it's like you remove all that complexity. So I, I see that as more people get educated, that's happening, data products. You know, uh, I think this whole thing with chat GVT and, and AI pieces, there's a lot of movement now on uh, people are starting to get not just what you can do with a chat GPT or interactive tool set like that, but also how you can automate data. So a lot of the stuff we're doing at ITS Snowflake Solutions is, uh, besides we're building this optimization tool, is we're all... I'm also seeing a lot of opportunity for not just like chat GPT, but a lot of interactions where a lot of data automation is happening. And a lot of the foundation that honestly is the pillars of data ops live, you know, making sure that things are automatically tested. I still think to this day, you know, most organizations aren't doing that very well. And that's a huge, huge step that has to happen to, to get to more reliable data and you know faster uh, development processes and better CI/CD. Yeah, so you're starting to touch on this already here. Wanted to get your perspective on where you really see you know data ops and these concepts of true data ops and seven pillars. How's that really fit into our our modern data space and and what we're all trying to do these days? Yeah, well, I think um, the data ops side, you know. Uh, the dataops.live guys and the true uh, data ops, they've done a pretty good job at articulating, you know, these seven pillars. And a lot of it, again, is similar principles that we've been following. Uh, I think it's becoming, if for actual growth and for actual, you know, real improvement, all those pillars are pretty essential. Uh, so, I, I mean, I still think it's really early though. Like, you know, we actually worked when I was with Accenture, uh, we worked with Roche too. And I know Paul and, and Omar, I don't know if you're on uh, this, but uh, they- yeah, we're talking to Paul in a couple of weeks. So in March, <laughs> Paul, Paul Rankin will be uh, one of my guests. Yeah, Paul and Omar and I go back, you know, a bunch of years to their, when they first engaged with, uh, with Snowflake. Yeah, it's pretty funny because uh, when our comp, 
we sold to another company and the company fairway technologies was acquired by accenture uh i paul was still at accenture at the time and so they brought me in as the snowflake subject matter expert and i kind of gave them a vision of where you know snowflake could help them and then paul moved over there and it's just funny that he became you know he's one of the people that was an advocate for data ops live and uh it was pretty awesome to see how well it worked for them at roche so but i think to be quite honest they're really like a, a leader in this they're, they're they're almost on another side of the chasm because it yeah i just think yeah. and i have to say even i was resistant when you guys first published it the the true date ops or something i'm just like oh this is just marketing material but uh you know, once you read through it and you and think through it as a data practitioner, data thought leader, uh, you know, it starts to resonate. And I have a, I, I didn't give my full background, but I have kind of a unique perspective from, like I said, the business and technology side, because, uh, you know, I also got an MBA from UCLA uh, in 2001, and that's when I started the company. So I have kind of this... Um, you know, engineering background mixed with Air Force leadership, mixed with an MBA. And, uh, you know, we won like some consulting award. Uh, we worked with this company, HNC, which you're probably familiar with. They were the ones who um, originally started the neural networks. And that was the, the project we worked on. So that gave me an early view of, you know, neural networks and AI and how that worked. And the point I'm bringing up about this is, is, it's interesting to see that the true data ops really hits on both business and technology yeah. principles. And I think that's one of the reasons why it does resonate with me because of having that uh, background and, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, working a lot on the business side, you know, a lot of what we built was marketing and sales systems, you know, from 1999 to 2019, uh, I was impressed with how a lot of the pillars and especially the collaboration hit upon a lot of business principles. And it's not like your right. guest last week, Allison, too. I, I really think it's key. And now we have the tools much more to get beyond all this hype of and even the data mesh and all these things. It's we really just got to break them down into core systems. Um, and so just on another point when you're asking about what do i see with data ops and you know what's hot uh like i said data products data mesh i'm still like this will probably i don't know what people will resonate with this but i always kind of picture i worked with hadoop too in whatever 2010 and on but i honestly think the data lake only came about originally because the data warehouse just couldn't scale like if snowflake had yes been exactly there, I, I just I don't think it would have been as big a thing as it is now. Uh, is there a need for some of them? Sure, you're getting the petabyte side. I mean, there's some big players we work with, and Accenture for sure has these massive petabyte data lakes for clients. But 90% of people probably wouldn't need it. Uh, but yeah, there was nothing that scaled then, and. Yeah, that you mean, could I, afford I, that you could afford that most companies could afford. Oh for yeah, sure. I mean that, also, that was it. Yeah, you couldn't I mean, build, I, begin to build an Oracle system or a Teradata system that was that big. It would just be, 
you just couldn't afford it. There's just no way to do it and justify it even from a business perspective. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so on the last part, what else I see coming is uh, we came up with this concept of automated modern data stack. I think we sort of stole it or enhanced it from George and Taylor stuff, a five trend. Uh, but the way we put it together, Snowflake is the base, five trans part of it. Um, we're really excited about, and I think you're an advisor there too, coalesce.io. It's yes. really the first uh, T system, I'll call it, that really it actually follows a lot of the data ops live uh, or the true data ops principles. Right. And, yep. and so I, we've been really impressed with their platform and you know what that can do because it's it's again kind of as we saw snowflake we see that as unique and differentiated from everything else out there in the market and then we also in that pipeline we have our partner high touch and even working with sigma consulting or sigma computing for a long yeah, time yeah. too i just know that sigma will never fail because uh spicer's behind it too so well, wow, true. And, and it's basically like Excel and obviously Excel has not gone away in the 20 plus years that I've been doing data warehousing. It's still, you know, the, the number one preferred BI interface for analytics. Uh, and so, yeah, Sig Sigma hit on that very, very hard with their interface and, you know, get that, you know, paradigm that, that people are familiar with. And it makes it a lot easier for, for people to adopt when you see something like that. Yeah, no, I think all, all these guys, you know, the the, the collaboration pillar, uh, being able to do um, auditing through lineage, uh, being able to break things down into small components, having the governance, having uh, you know, having having a UI that just is that is easy for people to use, that they don't have to be, you know, an expert, expert, expert coder in order to make things happen. And if we're gonna to get to, you know, your vision there, the the automated, I think that's a great way, automated modern data stack uh, and trying to apply these these principles uh, from from true data ops, we've got, we've got to lower the barrier to entry. We've got to make it easier for people to be successful for them to, you know, deliver value from the data as quickly as possible. It, it, I mean, it's all to me, it's like an evolution of uh, agile, and then DevOps, and now we're, we've applied all of that into the, the the data ops world. In fact, the original Agile manifesto that inspired us to do the pillars of true data ops, or it's not the Agile DevOps. There was a sorry, a data ops manifesto that was based on the Agile manifesto, and then. Uh, with the Agile Manifesto, there was a bunch of principles, which I used to teach people about all the time. And so he's like, we, we need the same thing on the data ops side. The, the data ops manifesto is awesome and gets people thinking in the right direction. But we need we wanted to get a little more practical and say, what does it really take? And that's that's what you're seeing there. And I think, you know, your discussion of this automated modern data stack you know, it's, with Snowflake as the base. You know, I mean, I'm definitely a Snowflake fanboy, always will be, as are you, based on your T-shirt. Um, you know, we're, that seems to be the the easiest way to get there right now. Yeah, and I think um, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know Snowflake or doesn't understand this, probably the biggest innovation at like Thierry, Benoit, Marcin, or whoever came up with this is 
that micro partitioning right ahead technology to allow the zero copy clone. I think yeah. that's by far like, you know, we always look at all oh, separation and compute and storage and hey, all that stuff. And there's like eight other awesome, very differentiated features, especially 2018. But that if you're talking about data ops, that's I think that's the main thing, because I mean, all this stuff we like I, I used to like kind of get annoyed, like this agile data warehousing before this. It's like you can do it. It's it's kind of like bullshit because like like we try to do it. But, you know, like what happens if you have like a petabyte uh, teradata system? You're going to cut anything had to be copied. Right. So you, you, was, could, you could never test at scale. You couldn't do development at scale exactly. because it was too ex inexpensive. And Justin and Guy, uh, who are the founders for uh, Data Ops Live and, and helped uh, author this whole true data ops philosophy, you know, we came to the conclusion one day is like in order to meet the, you know, sort of the DevOps type goals and to be able to do this, one of our pillars is environment management. And without zero copy cloning and Snowflake, it's just, it's really not feasible to do what you and I had been wanting to do for, for decades with data is like, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could test our new stuff at the same scale as production so it doesn't break when we move it to production? Before Snowflake came up with that, the zero copy clone, there was just, you just literally could not do it unless maybe you were the DOD uh, and, and had, you know, had buckets really. and buckets and buckets, of, but even they couldn't do it, right? You, you just, it, because it took too long. Yeah, that even was if you had even if you had the hardware, it takes too long to copy hundreds of terabytes or petabytes of data in order to make a physical clone so that you could do the testing. Um, yeah, I, I remember one of our our DBAs, uh, one of the jobs I was on pre Snowflake, who uh, said basically they needed six weeks to refresh our dev environment with uh, a better data set. It was like six weeks. That is definitely not agile. Right. Not agile at all. No. And also, um, you know, this kind of hits on the other stuff I've been writing about besides data collaboration. I came out with a whole series data to value. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like we're, we have built like kind of a framework around that and metrics and measure it. But the reality is all this stuff like I was almost I was burnt out with the consulting company before Snowflake came. But really it's really introduced stuff that we just couldn't do before. And the data to value thing is a, a really valid, uh, you know, transition and point because it's, it's not just that zero copy cloning are the, for the CICD type stuff. The fact that you can collaborate on near real time with across all these different industries, that's a game changer. Like, like people can actually, without copying delay, see the same data in Hawaii or New Zealand or anywhere. I mean, uh, you know, so you can be like Roche operating across, you know, multiple continents. And, you know, you're, you're getting to the point where people can collaborate in near real time with data that's secured, you know, like that. That's another thing, like all the stuff we did before that with Hadoop and everything, oh, like yeah. that stuff, it was, there was, uh, you know, before you couldn't get away from copying, uh, yeah, I mean, it really made a major, massive difference.
Yeah, yeah, the security. Yeah, because if you wanted the security, and even in the Oracle world, you could do encrypted table spaces. And I worked in the healthcare space. I could never get a DBA to do the encrypted table spaces because they said, well, A, it took too long, and B, it slowed down the queries. Uh, but then you get something like, and certainly the Hadoop world was the same way. It's like you had to apply your own encryption algorithms and track your keys. And then Snowflake comes along and says, oh, eh, that's by default. Everything's encrypted automatically. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> and no, it doesn't. And, and it won't slow down your queries. And I had so many people questioning me for the first two years. How can, how can we remove the Snowflake uh, encryption? Because it has to be slowing down the queries. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be slowing down the queries. All the other technologies did. These Benoit and Terry built it in. So the engine was built knowing everything was going to be encrypted so that it could still have optimized queries. And people just didn't believe it. And this is where it got into the, seeing is believing. You had to actually try it. It's like, okay, well, let's just, let's just assume Snowflake's encryption slows you down. Let's go run your query. Oh, what? It's 100 times faster than it is on your unencrypted system. So does it matter if it's slowing it down? Yeah, exactly. It's still a hundred times faster. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, and it and it's secured now. Yeah, so I I, I think your you know your your data to value concepts and being able to do that, get data to value, and do this collaboration in near real time, it, it has to be on something that is automated, right? In order to keep up with these things at that pace and that that combination of Snowflake and the, and the true data ops principles and things like data ops.live and coalesce and Fivetran, these are the things that make this possible. Like you said, it, in a, earlier in our careers, you know, when you when you came out of the Air Force and you were in the Air, you know, there's just no way you could do it. It just was not physically possible to achieve what we can achieve today by applying all of these ideas and these technologies. Yeah, I think that's what's kept me going in this space is, uh, you know, I know you're retired, but uh, uh, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah, exactly, sort of. <laughs> but I'm still here yeah, talking I, about it. You might just be as busy, but uh, uh, but I I'm just really excited about, like I said, the data products, the data automation. Because yeah, I mean, I feel like what we can do now, Kent, is is stuff we we just never could do it even five years ago, and and it's. And honestly, it's funny when you mentioned Fivetran because I, I met George, George at the like very first like partners conference in a, like Sonoma. Yeah, uh, I remember it. I was kind of resistant because I was like, oh, we could build this Fivetran thing in about six months, you know, ourselves. And uh, I actually, it's funny on the bus. I actually uh, I rode up with uh, the guy uh, who's running Stitch too, and they, they end up selling the talent. And uh, but I kept thinking, oh, man, we could build something like this in six months. But the reality is there's so much investment. It keeps getting better and better. But I, I had to, like, give up the resistance. You know, it's like it's just too easy to use. You know, it's just yeah, so why build it yourself if somebody's already built it. I mean, yeah, it might like you said, it might seem, oh, yeah, we could do that in six months. But hey, this is, it already works today. Exactly. And I think there's just a proliferation of more and more not just those like pipeline products, but data products that we'll see at the industry level and they'll be shared on the Snowflake marketplace. So I think that's a big place it's going. I mean, I think it's really, really early, 
But I think there's just massive, massive opportunity there. And that's a lot of the reasons why I'm still, you know, we're, we're investing and in building this data apps business on Snowflake because I just think there's so much new fun and opportunity. Like it's going to be the next few years in data and automation AI, it's, it's going to be amazing. I yeah. mean, you can already see that people got a lot of ideas from actually visually seeing the, um, the chat GPT evolve. I mean, that was there for several years. Uh, but just because the visualization and the way the interface worked, it allowed people to envision uh, what the future could be like. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, my uh, my office mate, my dog here, is telling me it's uh, it's time to to wrap up. Yeah, I see up. that. <laughs> She's down there moving around now. So, um, last question for you, Frank, is the the the, the non technical question is if you if you weren't doing data, what would you do? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I I uh, I probably wouldn't have stayed in the Air Force. I think uh, at least at this moment, I, I go back and forth on different things. But maybe I'd be uh, like I did like a lot of heavy metal back in the day. So a, a singer for uh, you know ACDC or something. All right. I, yeah. I don't know. That, that's I think that's where I would you got go the, with you, with those glasses. Here. Yeah. You, you got, you got no. that that the stage persona just, already started. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, Frank, thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone else for, for joining us today and uh, listening to our chat. Uh, be sure to join us again in two weeks. It's going to be two weeks this time. Uh, when my guest is going to be another data vault. Uh, yeah, I almost said data vault because she's a data vault person too. Snowflake data superhero uh, Veronica Durgan. Oh, um, Veronica's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's she's going to be on here in two weeks. Uh, but also be sure to uh, like our the replays of uh, this podcast and tell your friends about the True Data Op podcast so um, other folks can join in on all this fun that we're having here. Well, thanks again, Frank. Good to see you. Uh, until next time, everybody, this is Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior, signing off. Have a great day.